Hey everyone, hope you're doing well. So before we jump into today's episode, which is an amazing interview with Caroline Quinn, um, also known as One Hot Fat Babe on Instagram, um, before we jump into that, I do just want to give you the heads up that for some reason the audio came out a little bit weird. I don't know if it um, has to do with like the equipment that she and I were using since it was done through like a Google Meet um, room. We don't live in the same city. Um, but yeah, so my voice is a little bit louder and hers is a little bit quieter. And with my minimal editing skills, I tried to do what I could to kind of balance it out and equalize it. And trust me, the final product like <laughs> is significantly better than the raw footage if you can believe it, it's still a pretty dramatic difference though. So I do apologize if while you're listening, you have to be turning the volume up and down when it switches speakers. Um, hopefully as I learn more about podcasting, I will learn how to not have that happen in the future. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to give you the heads up so you know that that's what's coming. But it is worth pushing through and listening anyway. It is a fantastic, fantastic interview. Caroline is so knowledgeable and well-spoken about everything, about confidence and radical self-acceptance. And I just know you are going to love the episode and learn so much from her. So with that, here is the interview with Caroline. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I've got a wonderful guest on with me today. Her name is Caroline Quinn, also known as One Hot Fat Babe on Instagram. We have been uh, Instagram colleagues for a few years now, and I'm so excited to be having a conversation with her about the amazing work that she is doing as a confidence coach. So as per her Instagram bio, Caroline is um, a confidence coach who supports marginalized folks on their journey towards radical self-love and acceptance. So I'm so excited for this conversation today. This is the second time that we are recording this intro because <laughs> the first time I didn't properly hit the record button, so that is my fault. But uh, Caroline, welcome. How are you today? I am fabulous. I am so, so happy to be here. Excellent. Thank you. Well, I know you've already gone through this spiel once, but I would love for you to do it again. Um, I would love for you to just talk to the listeners about um, what it is you do as a confidence coach and sort of what led you to um, where you're at in your career right now. Yeah. So um, we can take it back to the, the very beginning. Um, so like three-ish years ago, um, I was Googling podcasts on how to fix my emotional eating, which was a surprise, an eating disorder. And I stumbled upon Christy Harrison's podcast, Food Psych. And um, I remember hearing all of these stories from fat people and learning about fat phobia and diet culture. And I very much equate it to um, when I was learning about other forms of oppression. And in my head, I was like, well, if I believe and understand that these other forms of oppression exist, like racism, ableism, um, et cetera, sexism all exist, then how can I ignore that fat phobia exists? And um, upon kind of diving deeper into that podcast, um, I realized I had an eating disorder. And so I started my own um, eating disorder recovery and I ended up becoming fat. I lived life, so I was a fat kid and then I 
my eating disorder happened and I was thin for um, uh, six-ish years. Um, and then with recovery, I became fat and I became the very thing I um, feared. And for me, I had always hated myself, um, regardless of my body size. And the turning point was, okay, I am now fat. I now believe that like dieting and whatever else is not good for me. And I still hate myself. So what am I going to do now? Because being thin, I never loved myself. Being fat, I still don't love myself. Obviously, it has nothing to do with my body size. Like, what the fuck am I going to do? And so I started uh, my Instagram and I used it to kind of document my journey. I started following other fat people. I followed pretty much everyone, I think, uh, any fat person from Christy Harrison's podcast. And um, I started documenting my journey and I I had cultivated this like nice little following. Um, and I, all of that time, I was constantly being asked, well, Caroline, how did you do this? How did you do that? How did you start loving yourself? And so I had kind of already built up that like authority, quote unquote, and that expertise and that trust that people were like, oh, I want to go to Caroline to kind of learn about how to love myself and how to accept my body. And the pandemic hit and I before the pandemic, I was in school for social work. And there was no uh, way to imagine how the next year or two were going to go with the pandemic. And I could not do school online. It was my least favorite thing. And so I was like, you know what, like, I'm gonna drop out, I dropped out of grad school. And I started my business with no business plan, no anything. And I slowly kind of started to develop, I started working with a couple clients. And then over time, I kind of started rebranding, branding myself, figuring that all out. And that's how I've kind of gotten to the not your typical confidence coach. And um, yeah, that's kind of how I got to here. And we're now like a year and some change into it. And it was probably the best spontaneous decision I've ever <laughs> made. <laughs> yes. Well, I am honestly not surprised at all that you um, have been seeing success and that people have wanted to work with you because I have seen so much of your um, online journey. I've been following you um, since well before you started your business. And even in those early days of um, using your online presence to kind of document your own recovery and confidence building process, um, it, it was really incredible to see. And I know I said this the last time we kind of had this part of the conversation. I hate to use the word inspiring, but I can't because it's so cliche, but it really is the most um, appropriate word here because it takes a lot of courage and bravery and um, a certain type of emotional capacity in order to be that vulnerable online. But it's so incredible when someone like you is able to do that and decides to do that because it, it helps so many people. Um, I, I think one thing that is true about any type of um, like mental illness, including eating disorders, is that they can feel really isolating. And so having that kind of representation online of someone else who's going through the same thing as you can be really powerful in, um, in helping 
to recover. So I'm, I'm not surprised that so many people resonated with your message and were willing to hop on as soon as you um, announced that you were doing formal coaching. So um, one thing that you mentioned is that you're like not the typical confidence coach. And I would love to hear more about that because I think for people who live in very um, privileged bodies and circumstances, it can be hard to see self-development or uh, self-improvement, like those types of things, self-help as anything more than um, just like change your mindset and like the rest <laughs> will follow because there aren't any sort of societally constructed obstacles mm -hmm. getting in the way or at least not as many. And for um, the people that you tend to work with, marginalized folks, people who, experience a lot of oppression because of the fucked up society that we live in gaining confidence and going through a self-development process is probably going to look very different so i would love to hear about um kind of what you've observed through that and how you help people yeah so i didn't always have like i wasn't always not your typical confidence coach when i first started i was just like i'm here for everyone i feel like that's kind of how it goes when you start a business that is like directly serving others you kind of figure it out as you go um <clears throat> and over time i started to realize that every single client i was working with was either fat queer um non-binary, Black, Indigenous person of color, disabled, um, chronically ill, or have some sort of um, intersection within those identities. And I started to kind of like realize, which I, which I think I already always kind of knew as a fat person, um, that like my experience with, dis with my dislike of my body is remarkably different than the reasons why a thin person may dislike their body. So like for fat people, we, we are constantly told our body is bad. A lot of times our desire to change our bodies is so that we can physically fit into society and be accepted by society. And, and again, with any other marginalized identity, it's the same thing. It's our, our dislike for ourselves, our, our bodies, our identities, or whatever else is because society has constantly mirrored to us that something is wrong with us and something is inherently bad, quote unquote, with us. And so my approach to that is so different than like, I, th I think about like, whenever I think about like a life coach, which is why I, I never like to be like, I always say when, when people are like, what's a confidence coach? I'm like, I'm like a life coach, but without all like that, like mean shame and guilt. <laughs> because I feel like when I think of a life coach, I think of like a cis het white man who is like, just do it. You're you and like uses that like self loathing to almost propel you into self love, quote unquote, which like, I, I, that does not work. <laughs> yeah, especially because I feel like that type of life coaching, honestly, the goal isn't even self love, even if they're saying it is, it's like, the goal is more to project the image of success to the world around you. And like, you can do that by hating yourself, but that doesn't necessarily mean you'll be happy. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's where kind of like my approach really was and is so unique to people, to other like confidence coaches, body acceptance coaches who don't hold marginalized identities and may not necessarily work with specifically marginalized folks is that like 
we spent a lot of time almost like mourning the fact that there are things that we cannot change. Like we, unfortunately, we cannot change as individuals, the racist structures of society, the ableist structures, the fat phobic structures, like those are so deeply embedded that like as individuals, we will never be able to change that. And no amount of thinking ourselves into um, self-love will change that. And it's kind of working through almost like radically accepting that this is how it is, but also knowing that I can choose to live differently and I don't have to because society has told me um, that I'm fat and queer, that I'm bad or wrong. I can choose to kind of work through that. And so a lot of times, again, is, is a big mourning process of like, this fucking sucks. And there is nothing we can do to like change the literal structures of society, but we can start to recognize all of the ways that society has socialized us to view ourselves and to view our bodies and um, work through how we talk about ourselves. Because oftentimes, like a lot of people will come to me struggling with like negative self-talk and all of these other things. And it's almost always because of society. we're, We're socialized to view what we view as bad because society has told us these things are bad. So like, even I have, I have clients who are neurodivergent that are like, I'm, I'm lazy. And I'm like, well, that's an ableist term. And that's because society has told you because you don't operate at this high performing level to propel capitalism and whatever else that you're considered lazy. And it's like, that's not, that's not it. That's, that's not yes. the issue. And it's, and it's kind of accepting that. Like I, 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 and owning that part of you to be like, no, I operate differently. I can't work 55, 60 hours a week. That's just not, and that doesn't mean I'm lazy. That means I just operate differently. And in, especially in the eyes of like capitalism and white supremacy, like we will never be able to, if you are not a cis het white able bodied, because even cis het able bodied white women have so much more access than so many other people do, and I think that like kind of recognizing. Um, the way those play into it and the way that we're going to move through accepting ourselves is going to be so much different than like the people that are constantly represented in society. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's just, it's so much different. And so we do a lot of mourning and then we do, cause I, I also believe, so I, I Sonia Renee Taylor first talked introduced this is where I was first introduced to the idea of like radical self-love and radical self-acceptance mm-hmm. as being political and if people listening don't know who Sonia Renee Taylor is she's a really powerful fat black woman um and her book that I I learned this term from was um the body is not an apology an incredible book everybody should read it it's so good <laughs> yes and so it's and it's about that being political for marginalized people, marginalized people showing up and loudly loving themselves will always be political, will always be this radical thing because nobody expects it because they're constantly told we're not and we should never feel these things. And I think that's kind of where where it differs from typical confidence coaching, typical body image work, typical like self-love life coaching um, is that there's so many other systems that come into play that we have to kind of work through. And no matter what, 
if you love yourself. Like me, I love myself so much, but I'm still constantly will always be bombarded with like queer phobia and fat phobia. No matter what, no matter how much I'm like, I fucking love myself. I, I own who I am. I will constantly have to battle through how everybody else says I should be moving through life, how everybody else is, says I should view myself as like at myself as a fat queer person. Right. And so I'll mm-hmm. always have to kind of almost work through that negative narrative, even if it's not my own narrative, mm-hmm. it's still a narrative that's placed on me because of my identities. And I think yeah. that's like the big thing that's, that's really different is that no matter how much, and that's the thing I'm working with one of my clients right now on kind of, of that, of that journey. And, and we've had this conversation and I'm like, no matter what you do, no matter how you move through life and no matter how much work you do on loving yourself, people will still view you based on your, based on the negative quote unquote negative connotations of your marginalized identity. And you will mm-hmm. always have to kind of work through that narrative and and kind of con- like constantly remind yourself that you are worthy, that you are good, that you are deserving of love and, and beautiful things. Because no it's matter like, what, so, yeah, society will always tell you you're not. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like step one is working through the internalized shame and uh, kind of deconstructing the beliefs about what makes a body or a person good or bad um, and like how those beliefs have like affected the way that you see yourself and kind of rewriting those narratives. But then also recognizing that that internal work that you've done hasn't changed the world around you. So setting like kind of almost like internal boundaries within yourself against um, all of the bullshit that's out there. And um, so it sounds like resiliency and um, helping people build resiliency is a big part of the work you do as well. Yes, yes, yeah, huge. And and again, just having that like, because I also think too, like a lot of times people will try to like market like self-love journeys as this um, really wonderful all the time, butterfly feelings, great happiness, like all of the time. When in reality, it's it's fucking not, unfortunately. Like, and I, I have this analogy and I, I share this with like all of my clients when we talk about it. And um, it a journey towards like radical self-love and acceptance. Have you ever seen those like videos of kids in like a super, super, super shallow pond and they're like laying down and they're panicking and they're like, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then they just stand up and they're like, Oh, I'm good. And then like the parents in the background, like screaming and yelling, just stand up. You're fine. You're fine. And that's how I kind of talk. Like that's, that is what a journey of radical self-love and acceptance is. You will spend so much time thinking you are drowning, thinking that the world is ending around you. You will go through all of these like really overwhelming, because again, also a society, we're constantly told like not to feel really deep emotions and, and, and we're constantly told to like push them away, push them away. And when you're doing this kind of work, you can't. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I always say, I'm like, I'm like, you will be that little kid that feels like you're drowning. And I'm on the sidelines telling you, Hey, we're, we are okay. Just stand up. You're good. I'm giving you all of these tools. And then finally, when it all kind of like culminates into this place, you stand up and you're like, oh, wow, I'm okay. And it's kind of like that. Wow, I do love myself. Wow, I am deserving of all of these good things. 
but it feels and and looking back you're like that was a lot easier than i realized it was but when you're in it you are in it and it feels like there's no end and i i I struggle when people are like oh my god i love myself and life is great and it's like yeah but you forget about the shit and you forget about how Mm -hmm. when you were stuck in it and and what that feels like and i always that's something i always will will express to people i'm like you're gonna feel really shitty but you're going to feel really shitty in the best way possible because at the <laughs> end of this will be like, be, you will feel, and, and one of my clients right now, one of my one-on-one clients, she, we just had this conversation earlier in the week. She was like, this feels too easy, Caroline. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> She's like, what's up. the catch? <laughs> she was on the other end. She finally made it through the other end and, and, and has been experiencing all of these like amazing, amazing mm. things. And I was like, well, pause, because remember weeks ago when you were flat out telling me, no, you didn't want to do these things. You were crying. You were telling me how uncomfortable you were. Everything, every, all the energy I was getting from you was like, this is scary. I am terrified. I was like, remember, that was you drowning. That was you feeling like you're drowning. And now that you're standing up, you're like, oh wow, okay. You you and it's like that perspective shift of once you're she can see it, how shallow the water really is. Yeah. <laughs> literally. And she's like, oh wow. And, and she's like, yeah, you're right. It, so it really wasn't. I was like, no, it wasn't that easy. But now that you're out of it, you have and and you have the skills mm-hmm, to make it yeah. quote unquote easy. It's hard and it sucks but it's not that hard forever and it doesn't suck that much forever. Exactly. (laughs) You just got to get through that really awful part. And oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you explained that because I think in this world of, because I'm a personal trainer, right? I'm not a therapist. I'm not uh, like, I wouldn't even consider myself professionally in like the self-help and self-development world. Like I am a fitness professional um, and my education background is in nutrition. And I think coming from that world of like fitness and nutrition, often like the fitness industry tries to market itself as a solution to poor body image and lack of self-confidence. And in a lot of ways, exercise movement these more kind of like physical practices can act as band-aids to these Mm -hmm. emotional experiences like when we're not feeling ready um to feel the big emotions and move through that and recognize that we feel like we're drowning you know compulsive exercise disordered eating behaviors are coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. that help to deal with that and the industry that I work in, unfortunately, continues to put a lot of effort into making those behaviors seem normal and healthy and like a good thing to be doing. Yeah. And like they actually are the solution when it's not. And um, and so I think it's so funny. I feel like I spend so much of my time as a fitness professional not even talking about fitness or encouraging people to exercise. It's more like, hey, you're coming to fitness and coming to me hoping that fitness will fix these problems, but like, are you in therapy? Have you, you know, taken a look at these things? Have you ever thought about this in this way? And um, yeah, so people like you doing, helping people move through this type of work is so important because I would say it's nearly impossible to have a positive, healthy, quote unquote, non-disordered relationship with 
exercise and mm-hmm. food if you are trying to use those things as a way to not feel these big emotions. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. So I'd love yes. to hear um, kind of on that note, like what what you see in your clients on, on sort of that like fitness, body image, um, nutrition kind of side of it. Because I'm sure a lot of people come to you dealing with their own food yeah. and exercise issues. Yeah. So it's, it's a big thing. I've, I've, and I've done this in such a variety of ways. So like with a lot of my one-on-one clients, I had a client, um, who we were working through, um, she went, she went to school for fitness, fitness. I don't know the degree that she has, but it's exercise science or kinesiology or something. Yes. 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 And, and she was very into it. And then she started her own eating disorder recovery and stopped working out. And so we were kind of working on ways to, to start back with exercising. And, and a lot of times it's like focusing on like intention. So like, what do you want to get out of your movement experience? How do you want to feel? And what are you going to do when you start to have disordered thoughts come up or other things? And a lot of times it's, you're just going to stop. You're going to stop what you're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm, and you're mm-hmm. going to take a moment to kind of reevaluate what's coming up. And a, and a lot of times with this work is, is we're bringing in a lot of self-awareness. Like it's, I, I feel like a journey of like radical self-acceptance and self-love is all about awareness and slowing down and paying attention to what you're feeling and what you're hoping to get out of it and what might be triggering these negative feelings or these associations and, and working through all of that. And um, in my Fat and Confident program, which is my um, fatties only group program from the um, fitness instructors to the guest speakers to all of the participants, everybody is fat. And oh, the really awesome thing with that is that we have um, one of my really good friends who is a registered dietitian out in um, London. She comes on and she talks in the first week um, about um, your relationship with food and eating and quote unquote health and redefining health for you and what that means as like a fat person, because that will always be different a lot than a thin person, because I find that a lot of fat people have that like health anxiety because of medical fat phobia and the weight stigma and kind of working through that. And then also like that movement component, almost all of the clients that join Fat and Confident have had a disordered relationship with food and movement and using the skills that we learn in our like one-on-one calls. That's the thing that's uh, every, I, everything I teach the people I work with, I call them transferable skills. So what you can use to work through your body image, you can use to work through your uh, relationship with exercise, you can use to work through your relationship with food, you can use to work through friendship, conflict, business, and all of that. And so they use the skills that we learn in our calls, and they get to implement them real time in, in the live workouts with the instructors. So that's listen intuition. Okay, right now, my legs feel really sore. So maybe I'm going to skip the jump squats that this instructor is going to do. And I'm going to do something with my upper body, or maybe it's okay, I'm noticing myself engaging in some negative self talk while I'm doing this movement. Let me access this skill that we learned about navigating negative self talk. 
and use that while I'm moving my body and to have uh, to have that like translation into into that because I think mm. it's 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 one thing to do it like in class quote unquote and then yeah. to do it in actual practice like yeah. during the movements and during those kinds of things that's amazing because I feel like um there is such a lack of knowledge around skills like that and coping strategies like that, mm -hmm. that actually, that actually help. And so, so many people, I would say the majority of us in the majority of situations are left with kind of the two options of like, this feels uncomfortable. So I'm just going to run away from it yeah. or this feels uncomfortable. So I'm going to ignore those feelings of discomfort and just power through. And yeah. so in the example you gave of like negative self-talk during an exercise class, like most of us don't ha have never been taught that kind of skill of uh, bringing in mindfulness and mm -hmm. self-awareness and providing space for oneself to move through those emotions and get to the other side of it. The only options that most people think they have is run away or shut them down and keep going. Yeah. And, and those things, again, more of a band-aid. They give you the appearance of like moving forward in your life, but they're not actually helping you yeah. grow or become happier or more comfortable and um, have the potential to just perpetuate more kind of toxic yeah. behaviors and self-destructive behaviors. So that is just such a beautiful reframe of like, you're in this uncomfortable position, you're experiencing this thing that you don't like. And so let's bring in that third option of like compassion and mindfulness yeah. and awareness um, because it gets easier every time. It's a practice. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> so um, I would love to hear a little bit more about the um, the fat and confident program. Is this something that you think you'll be, because I know you're in the middle of it right now. So is this something that you think you'll be um, running again in the future? Yeah. So right now I'm actually running my confidence club. Oh, that's what it is. The, which is a six week program. And it's just a very, it's my minimum time commitment, minimum investment for folks who um, might be a little nervous about coaching and kind of want to explore what that looks like. They get to learn um, a little bit about um, how I run programs. They get to learn some skills, um, but it's not as like deep and intensive. And I'm actually running my next fat and confident in the new year. So it'll be Ooh, January. It, it'll be that like that first week of January. I think it's like January 2nd or January 3rd or 4th, I think um, is when the next round is coming in. So that's a 12, it's a 12 week group program where um, we work on building fat community because with anyone who holds marginalized identities, the it's super, super important to have community and to hold space with people who understand that experience. Um, and we talk about so much. We talk about so many amazing things. Um, last year was my first time running it. And so this will be my second time. And I find every time I run a, a, a program, a, a second, third, fourth time, it gets better and better because I get to use the experiences of previous clients and really beef up kind of what we do. Mm. So we talk about... Um, that reclaiming health, defining what health means to you. Do you even want to pursue health? 
because health has no moral standing. It's a great question <laughs> that most people have never asked themselves because our culture frames health as such a moral obligation. Ooh, I love yeah. that. I love that so much. <laughs> so we talk about that. We talk about reclaiming movement. We talk about boundary setting, communication, expressing your needs and desires. We talk about sex and what sex is like as a fat person and different positions and and different things like that because the way fat people have sex will always be different than the way non-fat people have sex um we talk about like lingerie we have a whole week where we talk about like fashion and exploring personal style and what that means to you um we talk about boundary setting uh expressing your needs i think i already said that um self-compassion mindfulness mindset work intuition trusting yourself and it's all very specifically geared towards fat folks and i think the like the reason for me making a fatties only group is because before i started mine i didn't see any first mm -hmm. of all everything was always open to everybody and like as i started working with people i started and and as i started working with thin people i started realizing which i think i already knew um, but it was a much more concrete example of, again, the way fat people navigate body acceptance and self-love comes from a different place than non-fat people. And mm -hmm. the things we, and it's, and it's also hard to hear fat people, I mean, non-fat people basically saying, I'm terrified of being like fat. I'm terrified of looking like you. Yeah. Even though they never explicitly say that, it is always thin people's body image issues are always rooted in fat phobia always no matter absolutely what. yeah and hearing that as a fat person for me as a coach i i can i can handle it because that's my job but mm -hmm. over time i realized i'm like i can't create a safe a truly safe place for fat folks if thin folks are there also expressing their own struggles yes and with just how deep we go and fat and confident like we become really connected in that group i don't I don't accept more than five clients. We become really personal. We we talk about really hard things that you want other people who understand that experience to be there. And it is just, it is such a fucking relief to have other people be like, I get that. I've yeah. There, I've done that. I've lived that experience. And to have it be like 100% true too you know what i mean because i think people mm -hmm. always say, oh i understand but it's like you don't really understand unless you're a fat person living in our society and then 100%. to have all of our fitness instructors are fat and so um they all all i and it was my first time la the last time i ran this program working out with all fat people and it was beautiful. We were all comfortable in our sports bras and our leggings. And we, yes. all of the modifications that were given were given for like, if you have a belly or I, I, I can't do this movement, so I'm going to do this or my belly gets in the way and here's how I modify. Because I've worked with all types of anti-diet personal trainers. Um, but if you're not fat, sometimes you don't realize, oh, mm -hmm. as a, some fat people can't lay on their back and hold their legs together because their bellies get in the way. So mm -hmm. they might have to spread their legs apart or when they go down into their squat, they have to adjust the way their feet sit and other things like that. And to have that like was such a powerful thing. And then to also have like fitness professionals that are fat, like doing fitness and like doing fitness well, you're like, holy shit, I can do fitness too. <laughs> 
<laughs> that that just sounds so incredible and powerful. And I mean, I describe myself as like a weight neutral, you know, anti-diet personal trainer. And but like the reality is that I live in a thin body and I have my whole life. So I can do all my research and do all the learning to um, like understand the different needs of people in different sized bodies. But the truth is that when it's coming from me, it's just not going to hit the same. Yeah. And even if I can provide the technically that makes an exercise accessible to a person with a larger body than mine, um, the fact that I am the one providing that still might be a triggering experience. And so I just love so much that you are creating this type of space for people. And um, I just, I mean, just in general, I am so happy to be seeing the, at least certain pockets of the fitness industry being more inclusive of yeah. fitness professionals in different types of bodies um because it's it's just so important like the the fact is like i'm only i i will never be able to be the perfect personal trainer for a fat person um and that's fine that's just how it is and yeah. it just means that there needs to be fat personal trainers who can train the people that i can't and um i just oh i like i can't stop smiling hearing about how wonderful that experience has been for all the participants and i'm like so excited for the next group that's going to get to yeah. do it in 2022. i can't i can't wait and, and and again like with everything i do it gets better and better because yeah. i learn more i'm 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 growing and changing and doing and it's so funny i've, I've been kind of going through it the last few weeks and i was sharing with um some of the folks in the confidence club that like i am i am now back in the space where my clients are on my own journeys and my own working through more things and as i learn more skills those skills i share with my clients because as i'm growing and as i'm changing as i'm healing as i'm unlearning things i learn new things to teach other people how to do and so this this next round of fat and confident it, it I, it's gonna be beautiful i have there's like so many more ideas brewing, so many more skills that I've learned that I can support people. I've gotten amazing feedback from the last cohort on ways to to add even more value to what we do. And it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing. And it's so funny because Fat and Confident was created out of like an oopsies. I made a tweet and I like tweeted a tweet and I was like, I love being fat. And I was making that tweet into an Instagram post and I was just typing about like, I love being fat and how it's so great to be fat. And then at the end, like, and I wasn't even consciously thinking, I was just going, I was just like letting whatever spill out of my brain onto the page. And I, I started typing, I was like, and if you're fat and you're looking for fat community, you should join fat and confident. And I, and I never posted the post because I was like, holy shit, Caroline, you just created a new group program. And I immediately like whipped out my paper and, and, and full disclosure, normally when I, make my like when I make a new program I don't necessarily know what I'm doing before I launch it I'll normally launch it and I'll give a rough idea and then I create and for this program I think that's I, pretty common I, yeah and, and, and as soon as I had as soon as I wrote that like last line 
I got flooded with like a million ideas and I just started scribbling. I was vo voice noting my um, virtual assistant and I was like, okay, I, I, we have a new program coming. I'm thinking this, I'm thinking that. And I'm thinking th this, this style for branding. I'm thinking these topics. I, and I, it just like flooded me and I was like, okay, I, I, I'm very much like, I believe in the universe. And, and yeah, this and, fully formed concept just downloaded and, into your mind all at once. <laughs> and I was like, okay, universe, I see you. It is happening. This is going to be my thing. And I, I'm like, I've declared it like, this is the thing that like people, I, I, I will be known for. This will be the program. It, and I know it's a one of a kind program. I've yeah, not seen it done it is. at all. There's um, nothing um, else like this. I'm pioneering the way for hopefully future fat coaches to do this too. And, and really kind of make this the thing that, that fat people need in, in, in quote unquote body positive, because I, I don't align with that body mm -hmm. positive spaces and fitness spaces is that combining of so many things into a very unique fat community. And yeah. it's just like, yeah. And creating like, space that from the get go is not going to be infiltrated by yeah. the an ideal and diet culture standards of eating. Yeah. And it's just like from its construction, exactly what is needed. Yeah. Not, not trying to like fix the myriad of problems within an existing space. Yeah. 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 And it's just, and it's, and it's beautiful. And most of the people that, that I've, I've worked with are often like, I don't have fat friends. Mm. I don't have a fat community because it's, it's, it's hard to find a fat community and, and they get a fat community out of this program. They get people to follow. They, they find new friends and they get to, and they all, and everybody says there is nothing like being surrounded by fat people in everything you do. Again, from the speakers to the participants, to the fitness instructors. La last year was my first time being surrounded by fat people in everything I do. And, and, and there are literally no words to like fully describe how glorious of an experience it is. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's just one of those mm -hmm. things where when you're constantly the only fat person in this space or the only fat person in that space, and then to look around and be like, Oh my God, we're all fat here. <laughs> like, Yeah. Oh, well, because the truth is like our world is, I mean, like fat phobia and anti-fat bias is built into every single mm -hmm. like physical structure and institution in our society. And so I can, it must feel so liberating and um, just amazing to be in a space that is just for yeah. the type of person that you are instead of constantly having to fit yourself into a space that wasn't built for you. Yeah. Yeah. Which of course I'm, you know, intellectualizing this into words, but is not something I've ever experienced. So yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Mm. Oh, well, I am just like I said, I'm so excited for whoever gets the amazing opportunity to participate in the next round. Um, and uh, I'm uh, I'll put like links to all of your stuff. So if anybody yeah. listening is interested in learning more or, you know, getting on the wait list or whatever, there will all be 
uh, links to get to that. So um, before we wrap up, I was hoping if um, if you're willing to share some of your expertise for free, um, yes. if you have like one or two tips for people who are struggling with their confidence, maybe something that was like really powerful for you when you were going through your own yeah. confidence gaining journey or something that um, you find really helpful with your clients. Yeah. So I think when I think back to like, as you were saying that a couple, a couple things popped in my head and I know everybody and their mother is constantly saying these things, but the first thing is cleanse your social media and follow mm. people that look like you that are not trying to change their bodies and are just showing up and living life, especially for any fat folks that are listening, like following fat influencers that are traveling, that are wearing the things they like, eating the foods they like, dating, having sex, doing all of these things that we never see fat people doing. I think that was one of the first most transformational things because I was like, oh, I, I don't have to wait until I look a certain way to live my life. Because that was always mm -hmm. my thing. It was always like, no, I can't travel here. I can't wear that because I don't look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And instead, I was like, wow, I, all of these fat people are doing all of these things. That means I can do it too. And so doing that. And then one of my other two big, big things is if you are constantly avoiding your reflection, you will never get comfortable looking at yourself. So mm -hmm. looking at yourself, getting curious about what feelings come up especially if you haven't looked at yourself in a while, you might have negative thoughts that come up. And if you have thoughts that are like uh, from an emotional side, try to make them neutral. So instead of looking at yourself and being like, I'm so fat and disgusting, just say I'm fat and just take away that disgusting. Or I've, if you're not fat and you've gained weight and you're like, I, my jeans don't fit me and I'm, I'm so gross, I feel so bad, just say, my jeans don't fit me and I feel a little uncomfortable about it and and really mm. kind of work on reframing those things into neutral settings can help so so yeah much. stating things as facts and observations instead of judgments and, is so yep. powerful <laughs> yeah so yeah. and then and then I think the other thing is I dance I love to dance. I think dancing was, I'm a terrible, terrible, terrible dancer. I'm not a good dancer. Yeah. Not, not a professional, just like <laughs> dancing in the living room. Okay. <laughs> and I, I, I dance, I put on some good music. Sometimes I dance fully dressed. Sometimes I dance in my fun nightgown. Sometimes I dance naked and I, sometimes I dance in front of the mirror and I see my body in motion and I see what it looks like to, to see my belly jiggle and my arms jiggle and, and those kinds of things. And I just really kind of connect to that. And I've had, I've had some of the most emotional experiences, but in the best ways while I'm dancing, like I've happy sobbed to man, I feel like a woman while I'm dancing around <laughs> my, yes. my bedroom. And I'm like, Caroline, why are we like hysterically like broken down sobbing? But I was like, I, and, and it's a release and it feels mm. so good. And to, and then I think my last thing is to, whenever you are experiencing hard feelings and emotions, look at them with curiosity and not, and again, not that judgment. Where are these feelings coming from? Is this how I actually feel about myself? Or is this how society has always told me I should be feeling about the mm -hmm. way that I look and really just kind of, and, 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 and hold space for that, that hurt and that, 
and allow yourself to feel those things because you will never, again, just like you will never learn to like yourself if you avoid looking at yourself, you will never learn how to deal with hard emotions if you are constantly avoiding them and constantly pushing them away. You have to experience all the feelings in order to better understand yourself and to better understand how you as an individual need to work through those feelings. I think those are my, my big takeaways. Oh, oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Those are incredible pieces of advice. Um, just so, so powerful. I, especially that kind of conclusion you said there of it, like allowing yourself to feel and making the space to, to like be there with yourself mm -hmm. instead of the constant avoidance is um, really hard and scary to do yeah. at first. But just like everything you were saying before, like with practice and acclimation, like gets easier over time and yeah. is a transferable <laughs> skill to other things in life. Oh my gosh, this was an incredible <laughs> conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. And I just, I mean, I, some people know this about me. Some people don't. I'm super into astrology. Um, and I just think it's so fitting that we are having this conversation in like the heart of Scorpio season, because I feel like this work that you're talking about this, like making space for the, like the, the uncomfortable emotions and the pain and the letting yourself move through it is one of the most like Scorpio things that you can do. So um, now is a great time of the year to start diving into these types of practices because if you believe in this kind of stuff, you are supported by the stars right now. Um, amazing, amazing. So let everyone know where they can find you on the internet. Yes, you can find me at one hot underscore fat babe on TikTok and Instagram. I do not have a website yet, but you can, in my um, Instagram bio, it has my links to um, all of my programs, my email. You can feel free to message me if you have any questions or anything like that. But yeah, those are the, the two main spots you can find me. And if you want to see my tweets where they're just a lot of free flowing tweets, I am also one hot underscore fat babe on Twitter as well. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Well, Caroline, thank you again so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your experiences. And um, I'm sure everyone is going to love listening to this episode. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you. yes. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And remember, if you want to support the show, you can become a patron on patreon.com slash Carolyn Vig for as little as $2 a month. And doing so gives you early access to every new episode as well as any other exclusive content that I've posted there in the past. So like I said, if you want to support the show and get early access to episodes, you can check out the Patreon and... Even if not, thank you for supporting by listening, rating, reviewing, all of that good stuff. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day whenever it is you're listening to this, and I will talk to you in the next episode.